Hi, and welcome to another Film 5.0 podcast. I'm Linda Gasco. I'm here with my co-host and the co-founder of Film 5.0, the one and only Steve Hiller. And today we are doing uh, segment two of our podcast from the previous one where we're talking about uh, directors that we've worked with. And this is the Steve Hiller edition. <laughs> so uh, this is... Um, uh, version 2.0 of that and um, pre Linda, pre Linda, um, LBL, Life Before Linda. <laughs> uh, and so, if you want to follow along, get your IMBD up and running, and you can type these people in and see who we're talking about. <laughs> um, so today, we're going to do a few more directors, and Steve, we're going to start off with who. Well, I left off working with Francis Coppola in Tulsa. Now, I will say that um, the assistant cameraman that I met on that film was Dusty Blavo. And um, the following year when we were done with that, and I, this was 83, Dusty was hired to do a film with James L. Brooks uh, in Houston, Texas, called Terms of Endearment. Uh, a lot of people have seen that film. It's actually an Academy Award film, a number of Academy Awards. Uh, anyway, again, I'm with with Dusty, and the director on that film is a man named James L. Brooks, who I had never met and didn't know much about. But again, uh, as I said, I was pretty bad about knowing much about directors back then. Anyway, but but James L. Brooks, um, you you may know not only from terms of endearment, but later on he did Broadcast News, which was another Academy Award film. And he also was involved in the Tracy Ullman show, which was amazing TV series. He was it was. Hysterical. He's done both TV and film. TV, I mean, yes. he, he seamlessly goes between yeah. the two. I mean, if you look him up, I mean, it, it, yeah. it just goes on and, <laughs> yeah, goes on, and on and on. Both as a producer and a director. But he also... Uh, and a writer. Yeah. Well, he created The Simpsons, and he's still involved in that. So, And that's been on for 30 years or at least. But uh, I guess it's still new stuff, isn't it? I don't I haven't watched it lately, but yeah. I'm, assuming, I'm assuming it is. But, but James L. Brooks, um, you know, I, I met him in, in, all in uh, Houston, Texas, while we were doing tests. And um, the cameraman on that was Andrzej Bokowiak, a Polish guy. <laughs> Uh, uh, you want to go Andre don't you? Yeah, well, Deborah Winger <laughs> used to, she was the actress in that, uh, nominated for Academy Awards. She would call him Andre just teasing him all the time. But but we have since, Linda and I have since visited with Andre in, um, yeah. in Poland at Kameramaz. He's Polish. Yeah. He, li he lives there. Uh, it was a great experience, and we, we, we got to know each other, and 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 I I still think of him fondly as a friend. And um in terms of endearment, was another one of those films where the, the community, I mean, it was it was such a great film and we all just kind of knew it. And the community was awesome. And um, James L. Brooks was, again, very hands-on. And um, But, uh, you know, again, I, I, I don't remember any situations on the film where where he dis, where the flow was disrupted. So, it, you know, because it, it's just one of those things where he always... Kind of had to handle what he what he was doing, and 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 I remember days when, because I always ran at lunch on those films. I was an avid runner, and I remember days running in Houston, 
during lunch, and I would see him walking around the neighborhood with one or two of the actors. Like one day with just with Deborah Winger, they were walking around talking about the movie, and then he would he would take those moments to fill in, you know, his things that he wanted to do. And I always respected that. And I remember he barked at us one time, and and we had a coming where. It was a scene where he was talking to the actors, and we were really close. And Dusty and I got to chatting and laughing kind of loud. And I remember he barked at us once about <laughs> about being quiet, and and it was embarrassing because he was very right. It was yeah. it was it was so contrary to the way directors were treated. And uh, I mean, there were directors back then that you know you just didn't do that. I don't know. So we so my feeling was we must have been awfully comfortable mm-hmm. with him. Because we did that, you know, and he put us, he set us straight. And well, that and, was your that, third film with Dusty, right? In a row. With Dust, yeah, with Dusty. So yeah. the film, yeah. the familiarity is, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, Dusty and I were we were comfortable with each other, but we were obviously comfortable with James L. Brooks because he was sitting right there talking to an actor, and we couldn't stop ourselves. But uh, but I, mean, I remember another situation um, in the movie. You may have seen if you've seen the movie. There's a a scene in the grocery store where she's buying groceries and um, and she doesn't have enough money to pay for it and wants to put back some things and and her son says how about this and it's my doll it's a oh. container it's my doll and and we want to see that so so then on take two uh, Maida Wild was the script supervisor who she, she's I think she's passed away but she'd been around since. Bogart in the forties, but wow. I, mean, I mean, she was older then, but she was amazing. She, was, she made a comment on take two that we weren't, she wasn't sure if we saw it, and uh, if we saw it, and Deborah was sure that we had, and I was right there with the camera, and uh, and and nobody could remember, and I, and she asked me, and I said, I said I think I saw it, but I can't be sure, and he said, so she looked at the director, she said, I'll bet you ten dollars. That we saw it, and I'll give the money to Steve to hold for Steve to hold, and <laughs> and Deborah and I had become pretty good friends. Then he goes, so "I'm not doing that." And he says, "You own him. I'm not going to let. I'm not going <laughs> to let. I'm not going to let him hold the money because we were pretty tight." So he goes, he says, "I'm not doing that because you own him." Like, so everybody was keyed onto the fact that her and I had become pretty good friends. But it was pretty funny. But you mean but Deborah was, Winger, not Deborah, not the other De- lady. Who, yeah, Deborah Winger. Who well, you had mentioned her? the script supervisor side. Oh, no, no, not me. People think that you Deborah were tight Winger. with the script supervisor. No, Deborah supervisor. Winger. Deborah Winger and I had become friends. And the, okay. And, the, and that that had started pre-production. There was a situation in a screen when we were watching tasks where something happened where she got into a, a tiff with somebody and another actor and um, and left the, and left the screening room and I mean it was not a big deal but I remember going outside we were in a hotel in Houston and she was sitting on the swing outside and uh, and I I didn't know she'd be I, and we just chat a little bit so we'd made some kind of connection throughout the film we'd become friends and anyway regardless of that James he he was funny about that because he picked up on the things that were going on in the set so but but I liked his work and um you know, again, that, that, that was a tough film. There was a, you know, it was another Nicholson film, uh, Shirley MacLaine, who won an Academy Award for the film. Uh, Danny DeVito was in it. Uh, I mean, um, who's the actor that played her husband? Um, you, Jeff. Um, uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff. 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 Um, we worked oh with God. him. Yeah, <laughs> on my favorite Martian. Anyway, 
Daniels. Jeff Daniels, yeah. I mean, he yeah. was new then, and uh, she played the husband, but there were a lot of people, and this is completely opposite of the outsiders in the sense that there were people there that had had already laid their foundations for their careers, and uh, Jeff was pretty new, but everybody else was not. And, uh, but, and Danny DeVito had, was working on Taxi at the time, and it was still mm. going on, and, and I... James L. Brooks, I think, was involved in Taxi, too. So um, Yes. But it, yeah, he was. But I think the show, while we were during Terms of Endearment, I think the show was canceled officially. And or then, on hiatus, maybe? On hi- but I think that they got the word that the show oh. was canceled. And I, I remember that day it was there was some displeasure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that happened on the set. And, um, but anyway, James is good. And uh, <clears throat> if you don't know him, like I said, broadcast news. I mean, came a couple of years later. It's an amazing film, and it's a must see. And and obviously, Tracy Ullman's stuff was great, and all the other yeah. stuff he's done. But 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 I I, and I recently ran into um, James L. Brooks at Cedar Sinai Hospital. We were waiting to see a doctor, and we were the only two people in the waiting room. It was interesting because I I signed in and I saw you know James L. and the way he signed his name. Mm-hmm. But I, and I looked over, and it was like, this is years later, like years later. And um, so we sat down and talked about the film and 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 shared some experience, and he was very personable. He remembered me, and and obviously I remembered him, but we shared a lot of things about about what, what it was like for him, like to direct all these people. And, uh, I mean, we had a great conversation. It was great to see him, and, you know, we both walked out of there in good health, and and he's still in good health, I, I hope. Anyway, um. Well, he seems, you know, even in interviews I've seen with him, um, very relaxed, very personable. Yeah. Very personable, um, yeah. You know, and you were lucky that you, you know, you got to, again, witness another great director. And yeah. don't you think, Steve, that, you know, when we've been on sets, that the conversation between the director and actor is usually a very quiet one. You know, usually they don't yell across the room or whatever, but they actually go to the actor. James L., yeah, very much And have a a quiet conversation because nobody else needs to know except those two people. And it should be a conversation, so. Yeah, well, I mean, mean, Francis would do that with the kids sometimes, but there were a lot of times when he would just direct through through the loudspeaker. Yeah. (laughs) And there were times when... Some of the actors. That's that's not common, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean that was in our last episode. We talked about uh, Francis, but there were times when the young actors got very frustrated with that because they, sure. you know, it's like where is he? You know, but but it worked. But anyway, James L was not like that. He was very personable, always near the camera, and um, and and pretty quiet, pretty quiet demeanor, and 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 he knew what he wanted, and uh, and, and like to walk into a. I mean, if if I was a new and he was not a new director, but on a big film like that, to 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 all of a sudden have these this talent to deal with, yeah. great script, it's great script, and um, well, and you had have, two women that were very strong, well, yeah. women, you know, well, um, so strong. In fact, they were both nominated for best actress for the same film. Both of them were nominated, yeah. so you know that was a real heart wrencher for all of us because. Can't they both win? You know, like, but yeah. they both. I mean, I mean, Shirley won, but it was like to have the two women, not best and supporting, but two best actresses. I don't yeah. know if that's. Ha- I don't recall how that ever happening before. I but, don't know, uh, but I remember it was, it was amazing watching and like, 
you know, like, who am I rooting for? You know, like, because they were both, I mean, there were scenes in that film that where I, where I had tears in my eyes. The scene was so emotional. The movie was so emotional. Like, and, uh, but, I mean, one particular scene in the, in the hospital room when Deborah Winger, she's, I mean, if you don't know the story, she's dying of cancer. And uh, at, at, towards the end, and the, her son comes in, he's like nine or 10 year old actor. And, um, and they're kind of coming in to say goodbye to her. And uh, and I remember doing the slate and sitting on the floor and uh, he comes in and and he does this scene where he's, he, he just cries. It's like he's talking to his own mom and he just, I mean, he weeps and he cries. It's like, I mean, it's, you know, and I remember getting tears in my eyes. I was like, this kid's blowing, he's blowing me away. So like, you know, and it made Deborah cry and all of us like, so he leaves, and Deborah looks. She looks at, uh, <laughs> you know, and James L. Brooks. He goes, he goes. James, this guy, what the hell? And uh, and uh, and and Deborah goes, what the? Where did that come from? She looks around, and I and I'm in tears, and I think everybody else was. And James L. said something about maybe wanting to do it again. She goes, the fuck you do? And yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you're, yeah. She she goes, you're right. We we don't need to do that again. And, yeah. And and I th- he agreed right away because no. That's a winner. That's a winner. And he the kid was phenomenal. And, and but but James L. I mean all of us. I mean there was there was this moment. There was this silence that lasted thirty seconds after he left. You know before he even said cut. Like we were all like, what the hell did we just see? You know like yeah. I mean, if you ever see the film, that, <clears throat> and if there was ever a scene that I've been involved with that that really got to the crew, that was certainly one of them. I mean, there's been a few, but that was certainly one of them. And uh, yeah, no. well, you, when those happen, which are they're not all the time, man. I, I mean, I can I can feel it even now because yeah. I've been in those situations, and it's right there. You know, it's happening right next to you, yeah. and. You you read the words. It's like okay, this is what we're doing today on the sides, and you you read okay, that's the dialogue. But to be in the presence of an actor who brings that so realistically yeah. to that performance is I'm so blessed to have been yeah. in that environment I mean, to see that interaction. Holy yeah. cow! I mean, it's chilling, and it's like it is. I mean, I mean, it makes me respect actors so much more. The career I've had because. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're doing that with 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 a hundred people standing around and a camera yeah. on them and and the sound got boom over their head and you know they're they're able to remove themselves, you know, and take themselves to this other dimension, this other reality, and pull that off. And you know, like, you know, knowing that they're being judged, and knowing that they'll certainly be judged on the screen. I mean, how do you separate from that? And how do you how do you become that character? I, I have. So much respect for the actors and and the directors that can appreciate that and know, you know, and, and understand it and know when to cut and know when to to print and to move yeah. on. Like I mean, that's a big deal. Like I mean, like for James L. Brooks, I think that I think that he knew what he had and he knew, you know, he was able to know when when to to when he had something to go on to move on. But again, to work with that kind of talent. All of us every day were just yes. floor, floored. Like we were so this, lucky, man. Yeah, so I yeah, very lucky. And this is really this is this is literally my 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 fourth film in my career. You know, and here I am working with Nicholson again. You know, yeah. and Deborah Winger and Shirley MacLaine. It's like, I mean, that doesn't happen 
to people. I got so lucky in the, and and I and I think that I appreciate. I I know I appreciate. It. I hope it, it it showed through my career that I appreciate it, and I certainly learned from it. Like directors like James L. Brooks, and you know I would, you know I, anything about you know if I'd ever become a director, I sort of, sort of, I would have modeled a lot of what I did from those people, including him. And uh, I mean, just to be personable and understand a script, you know, and 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 what 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 it takes to make that script come alive to you know as a director that's a big deal like i mean actors can do a great performance but you have to know when this is actually contributing to the next page or the page before and like right it's a big deal like cuz cuz we mean, shoot out a sequence and we should, you know that too you know and what comes next what comes next in the script you know this actor's doing this before what's come next you know the next cut you know where are we the next cut how does this how does, is this going to play with that, or is it going to be, you know, yeah, as a director, you really have to know that, you know, these and these great directors like James Brooks really understand that, you know, and you and you and you know, if you're gonna, if you ever want to be a director, get yourself on a as a PA or on a PA or on a camera PA and watch how they work because it, <laughs> you know, my career yeah. was all on camera, but had I had ambitions of being director, I would have learned so much, and this, this I'm four films in and. You know, I've worked with, you know, I'm working with Academy Award people and four films in. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, and so, it, so. throughout your career, the, it, there's a theme of uh, Nicholson and um, who else that you worked yeah. with. Uh, and then you worked with Swayze again later on. I mean, it's it's funny how how you see a thread looking back. It's like you worked with the, some of the same people, you well, know, De Niro. which is cool. We haven't and talked about that. I've worked with him. We haven't gotten there yet. I haven't got there yet, but more than once. But, uh, right. And Jeff and Jeff Daniels more than once. So. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like multiple yeah. times, you know, yeah. and um, uh, it's it's kind of cool, you know, when you think back. But working with that type of director like James L. Brooks, Francis Ford Coppola, you learn so much. You just... I can't express to you how interesting it is to watch the dynamic that they have with those actors. Well, I mean, I find myself, I, I, I find that I learn more than I realized at the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going home and thinking, boy, did I learn a lot today. It just, it just, you know, a film, the film community and everybody who works in film understands this. It is a community and like, yeah. and, and those environments you know, it becomes like your little village. I mean, you're taking things away from there, from that that you don't even realize at the time. Like life you know, lessons like, too. Life lessons that are going on, like you know, they're going on to the next film, next film, and you're not really checking out, making check marks. It's just happening. And, and yes. But I mean, I you know, I can't express the fact how lucky I was to work with these people. I'm four films in, and I'm working with these people. It's like insane. You know, I know I said that before, but. But I'm learning a lot right away, and uh, you know, I I think that was a good thing. And you know, in some cases, later on, when the when I wasn't as impressed, I became more judgmental. Maybe maybe that you know that that was, that's my problem. But because I learned from these people, you know, like you know, I became more judgmental. But but you know, all in all, it, there was never a director that I thought was bad. No, and you give your all to every director, and you yeah, give yeah. your all to every film and every director of photography, but you certainly can, you know, uh, think back to working with some of these major act, uh, directors and knowing what the difference is, right? 
Yeah. I mean, they all come prepared, but it's in the execution and how their demeanor is on set, which is, as we said, it starts from the top. Well, and it makes a difference. Like, I mean, if I'm an actor, you know, you know, and I and I know the director has my back, you know, and all these directors do, and I know that they're not sitting back there going and being critical, and uh, you know, like, like, and, and the way, you know, like Donald Petrie once said, it, it, as a director, it matters how you say action and cut, you know, like, you know, yes. like if you, I mean, if you say oh cut, you know, like that, you know, what does an actor think that means, like, you know. You know, like rather than saying cut, you know, like, you know, like, I mean, there are ways to even to say (laughs) roll and accent and cut from a director's standpoint that affects the actors. Like, you know, and I never, I I can't remember any director that didn't do that correctly. You know, maybe there were a couple. No, I, you know what, they're all invested in it. And, you know, a lot of these people have been actors and or writers, so they feel the emotion of the set and, And what the scene requires. Yeah. Well, we we worked with Jamie Barber a couple of times. In fact, he's one of the people we talked with. And when he became a director after being a DP, DP so the producers actually wanted him to go to acting school because he'd never been an actor. A lot of directors have been. And and he said it really served him well, like to, you know, like to get involved in the actors and knowing, you know, he kind of understood what they're up against because he was a DP, but... To be on that side of it, you know, like to be a director and really understand what an actor does, he said it really mattered that he went to to acting school and then, you know, and really got into it. He, you know, he said, "I'm not an actor, but I learned a lot, you know, from the director standpoint." And 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 I think that's valuable. I don't know if if I mean I'm I'm sure that Francis and James L probably came from those backgrounds early on. So, so but um, yeah, but um, it matters. And, uh, all matters. Yeah. Well, you're a lucky guy. I mean, and yeah. we've said this before, both of our careers, we were really lucky early on. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I knew it right away. I was like, wow. I mean, my third movie was The Fugitive, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, and you so got to work we, with me. Good heavens. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, but it's but it's also having, you know, working with Steve and for him to be able to, you know, pass some knowledge on to me about, you know, you know, this doesn't always happen this way or this is, you know, for me yeah. to be able to ask those questions because he's he was there already, you yeah. know. Um and we worked with terribly good people, you know, crews that were just amazing. Yeah. But yeah. everybody including the uh, director, because it does say a film by, right? Yeah. They all came extremely prepared and very much um, everybody worked with the actors very well. And yeah. just fantastic people. Yeah, James, he did work with the actors well. I do remember that. And uh, again, there was never a moment that I can recall where I ever heard a loud voice from him or, you know, like, I mean, if if there was something to be said, he it would be quiet and it would be with the actors. I I, I don't ever remember come, something coming from Video Village about oh don't do that again. You know, I don't ever remember that. It's like he was yeah. calm and collected, and, and you know, and he knew you know, and he knew he knew what he had, and he knew how to. I mean, he, I mean, the performers are there. He just you just have to 
you have to understand how to work with them and not lose and not lose that creativity because boy well, he yeah a, and know, he had a handful. know how to speak to them you know yeah, yes. you, you know you don't use certain words because it doesn't resonate how do you speak to the actor and yeah. and again you know realizing that when there was something that really need to be talked about they would physically go up to them within a yeah. couple inches and talk yeah yeah he um, did that so, yeah. that you know that's a really big deal and the fact that he had actors, Academy Award nominated actors, who know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, you see, I a, mean, you know, that's a beautiful well, thing. It is a beautiful thing. And, you know, as, from a director's standpoint, it's like, you know, if you see something going on with an actor, I mean, the challenge would be, you know, if you didn't like it, how do you go up to Shirley MacLaine? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and uh, Shirley. And, yeah, right. By the way, how do you, how do you tell her that that's not quite what I want because she's been around for a long time and 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 and, and incidentally she was wonderful to work with. I have a, a book she signed because I was like I said I ran at lunchtime and she 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 would, was writing books then and she signed it for me and. And in it was the, to Steve, to your runner spirit, spirit, you know, I hope, and so on. I still have the book, and she was amazing. But all of them were amazing. But, but I'm just saying, as a director, you know, knowing that that's how you have, and you're, how can you even think about being critical, even if you think there's something you don't like? How do you approach that person? Yeah, and tell them that, like, to do it differently. Like, you know, again, Shirley is certainly professional enough to deal with that, but. I would be intimidated as a director. Well, how am I going to? How do I tell her that I didn't like that? So, like, you know, right. I don't know if he ever. I don't know if he ever had to. But, but, but <laughs> I I'm don't just think saying, so. I don't think so either. But you know, that was another film I talked about earlier that Jack Nicholson was in, and um, his generosity. That this we. Um, yeah, what'd you get well, for the second rap present, Steve? Well, <laughs> well, this wasn't a rap present, but we started in Houston and fin finished in Lincoln, Nebraska. But while we were in Texas, he. He bought everybody tickets to a Lakers game in Houston, where we went oh. to, and he got he got the crew like we had a whole section where we went to a Lakers because he was a big Lakers, he's still a big yeah. Lakers, but, yeah. But we all went to a Lakers game, and that was pretty nice. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, it was really nice. Was, yeah, see the perks of being on the big yeah. films, kids. Yep. Yep. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I've never been a Lakers fan, but it was still fun to. I mean, I love professional basketball it was still oh, fun yeah. to go so, so. Yeah, well, and to but, see Jack there yeah, I mean yeah yeah it's great yeah and he, you know so there the closest you know, I ever got to that was John Hughes I got a ticket to go see the uh, Hawks with John's ticket oh but that's okay yeah it was nice it was center center uh, center line and uh the seat right by the glass. It was. I mean, I'd rather see the Hawks than the Lakers, <laughs> frankly. But that's me. Yeah. All <laughs> Sorry, good. LA. Sorry, LA fans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, but but again, James L. Brooks. He, he, it was another situation I came away from pinching myself that I'd actually experienced another great experience with a great director and you know this is before he went on and did broadcast news which a couple of years later that that i think that won an academy award too. it did a couple it, yeah yeah there were some great performances in that too so yeah but i mean and, so the, i mean actors are not you have to contribute that to the director you have to i mean i mean you could take it you could be a director that takes a good actor and not 
and not use them at, correctly at all. Or take a script and interpret it in a in such a, yeah. a way that it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, that the ideas aren't yeah. aren't cohesive, and you're like, why is he going in that direction? So yeah. they have a lot to do with that. Well, I mean, like like you said, that direction, even as a director allowing them to go that direction and not in letting your ideas and your ego keep them from doing that, that is great directing. I mean, yes, if, it if is. You, I mean, if you recognize that you have some people here that are a lot better at this than I am, and I'm going to let them take this story along, and, that, and it's all about the story. And It takes a good director to, to be able to do that. I think, yes. and, and James L. was certainly that guy. So, so. Well, he's yeah. got the resume for it in yeah, writing, does. producing, and directing everything. Yeah. All right, so let me get to someone that I am very interested oh. in, and uh, uh, Richard Pryor. I mean, Richard Pryor. <laughs> yeah. I another mean, Chicago guy, another uh, Illinois. Uh, was he Chicago? I thought he was. Yeah, Peoria. Oh, that. Oh, duh. Duh. That's what the movie. That's what the movie's about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I got lucky enough to go. Um, I think this is with Bill Birch again. So I I got lucky to go on a film in Peoria, Illinois, being directed by the Richard Pryor, and uh, it's his life story, and it's called Jojo Dancer. It's a wonderful film, and um, but Richard, I mean, besides being a brilliant comic. <laughs> As a director, he was just phenomenal. I mean, he and and kind and funny, and he knew he you know this is the cameraman was John Alonzo, and uh, you know they got along great. And uh, but Richard was just he was so gracious about every scene that we did. He knew that you know like that this is his story, and we even filmed at a house that he grew up in. And um, but what the, the day that he really got my that got my stole my heart was when a tour bus Peoria. There, there's a lot of tours in Peoria because it's an old Illinois town, but um, it has a lot of history. But this big bus stopped right in front of the house where we were filming. There's a big yard and big tour bus stops, and and uh, and Richard he was like to the AD because what is that? And they go well, they they put the they put our crew our set on the tour route. <laughs> and Rich, Rather than saying like some directors will like get them out of here, he goes, "Yeah, really." And he 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 runs down to the bus and gets on the <laughs> bus. And, and you know we followed. He got on the bus. He's walking through the bus, talking to everybody and laughing. And then we thought that was the end of it. But then he gets off the bus and he brought everybody out of the bus to take pic- <laughs> to take pictures with him and stuff. This is taking like an hour. Like, but, oh. I mean, I thought, I thought this is the kindest thing I've ever seen. But yeah, but, I mean, he's taking pictures with people, but. But rather than being out, he thought that was the greatest thing that ever happened. It was, and to me, uh, it was the greatest thing that I ever saw on a set. I mean, it was like he was so phenomenal, and he just and these people are like, I mean, mostly old old white people. They kind of knew who he was, but yeah. they just knew we were making a movie. But they were they were like thrilled that he was so kind to them, and it was, you know, I mean, it took us another hour for us to recover from that. And it was like, God damn, like this guy. I bet. I mean, the producers were probably pulling their hair. Oh, yeah. 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 But he just... Two lunch breaks for an hour. Yeah. It was the kindest thing I've ever seen. And and I just... I've never forgotten that. He just... He was so good to his 
to people. And I said, you know, I've seen other actors. You know, he's an actor in it, in it and the director. So directing yourself is even harder still. So especially directing a story that's about your life. How do you yeah. do that? Like, so, but I mean, the movie's great, and uh, and but he had that he had that ability to do that. You know, to 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 know his story enough and to know his performance enough to go back and know that it was I mean I, I mean how do you who's who's this person that's saying that's okay who's who's yeah. saying oh that's okay Richard I mean you're on your own like you might have a script person going yes or no but you're pretty much on your own and and he he did a phenomenal job but well uh, you know he knew himself so well he knew, and he yeah, knew he his did. story yeah. because you know I don't think there was a um, you know, a time that he didn't get on stage and reflect on something about that and use that That's in his, his stand-up, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was a good actor. I mean, you know, um, you know the movies with Gene Wilder and... and oh, yeah. I, I always forget about that, yeah. I yeah, mean, what was that? But like? even in this movie, Richard Pryor, I mean, this is, a, a, this is not a comedy. Like, this is a dramatic story of his life. And he performed... And, he, you know, I'm directing it and I have to... I have to tell this story as an actor and he was pretty phenomenal I, I've never figured out how people can direct themselves uh, critically and, and and objectively I've never figured out how they do that but and it's the only time I ever worked on a film where I I saw that and he he certainly rose to the occasion and then he was also able to be kind to, yeah. to the tour bus and I mean that that just he stole my heart I mean like yeah and, uh, well was, because was, like you were saying you know we've been on movie sets where you know, uh, especially if we're uh, shooting in a practical location like, you know, Pacific Palisades or somewhere, and you hear the uh, um, the leaf blowers, and you, you can you can feel the director's eyes roll back in their head, <laughs> and they're like, ah, you know, yeah. or something is going on outside, and the fact that he just went with it and was like, ah, let's do something, yeah. I mean. Or who do I have to pay to make this go away? So. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Or uh, one time we were—I forgot what set we were on—but uh, the ice cream truck came, and, and I was oh, like, yeah. ah, you know, yeah. oh well. And they, he, because they knew where we were. I think so. <laughs> oh, I, I think, think they so. get paid off. I mean, I mean, in LA, that's—I think that's more common than people think because yeah. they know that somebody's going to come out and offer them money to leave. Like, yeah, and, well, and people, I, 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 I think especially in the Palisades and Beverly yeah. Hills, that's yeah. that's probably yeah. you know or people um, people mowing their lawns next door to where they're filming. I mean, I mean, you know that they know better. You, you know they do. So you think, but yeah. Uh, I well, always wonder about that. Uh, there's a tip for everybody: if they're filming next to your house, get your uh, um, snowblower or leaf blower <laughs> out and make some extra cash. That's yeah, right. And that's what'll happen. So yeah, we I, I hope we haven't given people ideas, but but yes, that, well, that I've seen that. Sort of, but. I mean, I've seen that on more than one set. I've seen that, especially yeah. in California, because so, yeah. California people are they're hip to it. You know, like oh yeah, like it like in uh, Pasadena, they're very hip to it. And uh, and uh, well, the, the, I, I have one experience here in uh, in Highland Park. I live in Highland Park, Illinois, where they did risky business and. Uh, mm. I was working, that French um, Cruz came up here to do Risky Business after The Outsiders. He wasn't on the Rumblefish. Uh, I stayed in, I was at, I was offered Risky Business to come home in Chicago, but I wanted to stay with the same crew in Tulsa. So um, 
but I guess there was a there's a scene in Highland Park where there's a they do a car chase scene all through town in the middle of the night, like screeching tires and on and on. But the city of Highland Park, because of the residents, they ban future filming in Highland Park <laughs> after that. After that, I mean, they put a stop because the residents they just weren't having it. So, yeah, I mean, they, there was nothing to gain for them except no sleep. But uh, but there's been a few films in Highland Park more quietly, like in uh, you know my. Uh, what like, God? The, there's what are the uh, Hughes films? Oh, Sixteen, John Hughes. Ca- six, 16 Candles. There's a, mm. and uh, and um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. This is bef- this is bef- this is afterwards where they did the uh, the house in Ferris Bueller where they drove the Ferrari off the back porch. That's here in Highland Park. You know? But they've done some stuff here. But uh, but the town was not happy with that. So. No. Uh, and that's why uh, when we would film in Pasadena, we would sort of get kind of giddy because we knew that there was a hard in and a hard out. And we're like, all right, yeah. we're, we know we're going to be yeah. home yeah, because right. we got to leave that location because there's so many uh, directors and producers that live in Pasadena. They're like, Mm-mm-mm. we're having yeah. we're having a, yeah. Uh, restrictions. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to shoot all night like, you know, when you're you know, when it's time to go home, you're going to go home. So. But yeah. yeah, that always that always helped us. But yeah, yeah. So that does, that does. as you can see, Richard Pryor was definitely uh, different in that respect. Yeah. Oh God, he was. I mean, I never before or after worked with a director quite like that. That was that. Well, one that directed himself. That two, that on a on the click of a finger, be that personable. Like, yeah. you know, when that bus pulled up, we're all thinking, oh, he's gonna have a fit. And like. You know, and we didn't even know why he was going out there. We thought he might be going out there to yell at the bus driver or something. But, I mean, and it turned out to be totally different than that. He, he. I mean, it was a, a great experience. So, that's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So. All right. So, who's the uh, the last guy we're going to talk about? Well, I'll, I'll I'll skip over Michael Ritchie just for one second. I did a second unit with him on Wildcats with Goldie Hawn. He was great, but again, I was on the second unit, so I mean, I, I can't say much about the film, but 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 he he has a pretty good history. He did the Bad News Bears, which is a classic comedy film. Yes, and he and he did the Candidate, which was a great film, and he did yes. uh, Divine Madness, which was a great film. So it was kind of a pleasure to work with him. But again, it was a second unit, so I I didn't get to be around him much, so I can't really spend much time on it, but. But you know, again, that was a nice film in my career. Working with Goldie Hawn was great. She was, she's terrific. As she's everything you think she might be. She couldn't have been nicer and funnier. So, but uh, that's cool. But but then my uh, my next film, I was asked to do a film with Jessica Lange called uh, The Music Box. Uh, um, they were starting in Chicago and going to Budapest to finish the film. They were starting here, so I was hired locally. And um, <clears throat> the DP was from France, and I, uh, Patrick and I, Bossier, and I remember being at a pre-production meeting, like the production meeting before you start shooting, and I was sitting next to him, and we were shooting in Panavision, and uh, he leaned to me, and he said, you're going to Budapest with us, right? And I said... I I don't think so. Nobody ever asked. And he goes, "You're going to go to Budapest." And I, he said, "Nobody in Budapest knows Panavision." And I said, 
I'm happy. I'm happy to go to Budapest. And so. we should say that Steve is a first assistant by now. But yeah, I was the first, and I was the focus puller. So, so, so I was the key assistant on the job. I had moved up. So, uh, but um, yeah, that I mean, I, I hadn't been one very long, but but that was a this film was a big deal to me. But but what impressed me most was Costa Galvaris was the director. Now, I don't know if people know who Costa Galvaris is, but. There was a movie back in the 70s called Z. It's a political yes. movie that, I mean, when I got home from Vietnam, I was I was very involved in anti-war stuff and students for democratic society. So the movie Z really touched me. It was a, it's a movie about corruption in Greece, and it's just yeah. so beautifully done, and he was the director on it. And, I was, and the fact that he was coming to Chicago to do this film, I was just blown away. I mean, I was, I would, you know, I... For the first time, well, next to Francis Ford Coppola, I was really awestruck to be, to be working with Costa. And, um, and again, so lucky. Anyway, yes. Uh, but, I mean, he did the movie Missing, you know, and uh, and he did the movie Z, but Z was, to this day, one of my favorite films ever. And um, But anyway, Costa Garvis, was, he, he was the director that Video Assist had, had started and really gotten pretty on at this time, but Costa... Always, I was the first assistant, so he was always right next to me, sitting on a chair, next to the camera. Always, he didn't old go to school. The old school. He wanted to see the actors, but I mean, I could hear his words to the actors. He was always right. You know, here I was, and here he was, right next to me. And the script supervisor might have been Sue Richards, was on the other side of the camera. So, uh, so I mean, I was more in tune to him as a director than ever before because he was right there. And, uh, yeah. But uh, and, and you know and here here again he's got this actress Jessica Lange who's great and uh, yeah you know and you know like and I mean for some reason Music Box was a film that's kind of been overlooked over the year but it's 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 a, it's a great movie it's it's kind of a Holocaust movie in a way it's about yeah. her dad but uh, boy it's certainly a movie I recommend and uh, it's it's you like know, it's, you don't know who you know who were your parents prior yeah. Yes. To right, um, you know who yes. was who are they as a person? Yes, kind of thing. She's, yeah, she plays a lawyer, and um, her father has has been accused of being a a Nazi sympathizer in Hungary during the war. They're Hungarian at a camp. Uh, well, there and just in and ta- and in, in town, like mm-hmm. it's part of the local police, and um, she he wants her. She defies to defend him, not believing for a minute that. That this could be true, and um, so as the movie evolves, she winds up going. You know, the second half of the movie we did in Budapest, and um, I was shooting video. I had a video camera going all the time when I had a chance. Oh, where uh, is that footage? I know. I still have it. Do uh, you? Uh, we had yes. to pull that out. Yeah, I got it. It's like it's small. It wasn't VHS. Small cassettes. Uh, digital. Not H. Digital. It was digital. I forgot what camera yeah. it was, but. Small, oh, the small high little, eight, the high eight. It was ones? like I think it was pre high eight. May, oh. Might have been high eight. Oh. But might have been high eight. This is nineteen eighty nine. In fact, this is the year in Budapest. It was their last year under communist rule. It was that okay. year that we were there, and um, a lot of my crew that was when I got to Hungary were were Hungarian. A lot of them, and um, that makes sense. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, I mean, they weren't taking. They took me because of DP. Insisted on it. And, um, 
Well, and you they knew were, Panavision, so and they, they Pan- don't well, have that there. So. They didn't have. They do now. They didn't then, but right. but then Sue Sue Richards came along. She was the script supervisor, and and that was important because she started the film. And and Jack Richards was a camp was a Chicago cameraman, and he came along to do second unit, and so mm-hmm. so we were the, like the Chicago force, and. Um, but Rob Cowan, who's now a producer in L.A., he was the first AD. We got to be really good friends. But uh, but I remember shooting my video so much that that Costa was acute, aware of it. I he would even see me in the in the hallways of the hotel and make comments like you know like he said someday we'll get to see all that video you're shooting. But he was he was great. But um, anyway, um, one day we were on the set in Budapest, and I was on the floor. We were doing something, and. Um, he had done a film with Deborah Winger a couple of years before that, and um, and I had worked with Deborah Winger in terms of endearment, and her and I had become friends. And uh, and he was standing behind me, but I knew I knew he was later that he was saying it so I could hear him. But he said, "I had this phone call last night with Deborah Winger." She called and say hi, and uh, so that got my attention. And he goes, "She asked me if there was this silver-haired guy on the set named <laughs> Steve." Steve, and I, I'm gone, and he leans over and he goes. She told me to say hi and that she loves you still. <laughs> and to, me, to have Costa Gavra pass on a message from Deborah Winger to me on the set in front of the whole crew, just, I mean, that next to Richard Pryor going on to the crew boss, that was probably the next best thing ever. But, uh, but, uh, but, it, but he was very personable and, you know, the fact that he was still talking to actors from years before. But, I mean, he couldn't have been kinder. He couldn't have been a better director, the fact that he was right there by the camera. I just, I respected that so much. I don't, I don't think he ever went back to the monitor and looked at them, maybe for a replay, but not while they were acting. He did not do that. Well, he's, he's allowing the director of photography, the DP, the cinematographer, whatever you want to call him, that he knows what he's doing. I mean, they've set the shot. He knows what it is. He doesn't need to look at it. He doesn't need to, right. Yeah. He's looking at the actors and, it's but the performance. Just, but he designed some shots in the movie that were pretty amazing. Like um, there's one shot in the movie in Hungary where... Uh, sure, um, Is it a reception? Uh, no, when the, the actress is... She learns that... Um, that Jessica she Lange. finds out... Jessica Lange. She learns something in an apartment in Hungary that that makes her wonder, doubt whether her dad is telling her the truth. That may, There's a picture in this apartment that, you know, in the storyline reflects on something that was told to her by a witness. And uh, mm. and he designs this shot. In, in, in Hungary, there's a lot of stairwells in apartment buildings that wrap around yes. and go down. I think we were on the eighth floor, and uh, we designed a shot where we had this tower built where the camera could come down and rotate and follow her down all the way down the steps, like, yeah. and I mean it's an amazing shot. But it took us a, a couple of days to rig it, and like, and and, um, and yeah, I'm sure they didn't have any techno cranes the back and, then. And you can see her emotion changing as she's going down the stairs, and she has wow. to perform and change her. It's the whole change of the film, like all of a sudden she's defending this guy who is her dad that may not be innocent. And that you can and the whole shot goes I and mean, he designed that shot and it was just brilliant. I mean, if you ever 
if you want like to see the movie, like a spiraling down, yes, spiral down, spiraling down, downhill, and wow. and you and she's acting every second of the way. And if you ever want to see that movie, just see it for that shot because it's. I mean, it took us a couple of days, but it's phenomenal, and the, and the film is brilliant. And um, and then in Budapest, the rollerblades just got got popular. So on my weekends, I would. Rollerblade all around the the city of Hunger in Budapest, and I and and I loved it. And Linda and I have since been back because she yes. is Hungarian. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, we yeah. are. And we ran, and we were fortunate enough to run into um, to um, director in. Um, oh, Vilmos. Uh, oh, Vilmos. Vilmos. Oh, we, the one and only. Yeah, Linda and I had gone to Cambridge in Poland. If you ever and get a said, chance. Yes, camera homage. It. It's yes, amazing it. thing. It's it's happening it. in uh, right around Thanksgiving every yeah, year. Yeah, right around Thanksgiving every year, they do it. They changed cities a couple of times, but it, yeah. it, it's kind of it's kind of a a film festival where they'll show a lot of films from Europe, but but there's a lot of uh, workshops with 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 really famous cameramen. It's all yeah, about, it's, it's DP. All, uh, it's a DP um, thing. Or it's a DP yeah. thing. It's not not yeah. so much directors. It's it's you'll see. Yeah. The best DPs, yes. uh, directors of photography in in the world. There. Yes, I mean I, I found myself sitting at tables with, you know, like DPs that I've only heard about, like yeah. sitting at Vilmos, at John and, Seal, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, crazy, yeah, Laszlo, but, yeah. But but the be- the beauty for me is that I've been gray since I was thirty years old. But yeah, the beauty for me is that <laughs> when I go there, I've been twice. That that the place is filled with film students from all over Europe. Because I am a silver-haired guy walking around with him, they always think I'm some, they always think I'm somebody. They did. And it Linda, was hilarious. And Linda, Linda can attest to it. They always think because I mean there might be some DPs that I look like, but they always think that I'm somebody. It's pretty well, funny, the, so. it's the fact that you were sitting at the table with all of them with it, with them, and they're talking with you, and you're conversing, yeah. and you have you know, and these kids are all like. Wow, you know, it's like when they go to the ASC clubhouse and they see Roger Deakins and, you know, they're like mesmerized. So Steve got up from the table and started walking over and went to, you know, one of the buffets and and all these kids are swarming him and talking to him and he's like, (laughs) what's going on Trust me, trust me, I'm nobody. But it was was fun and uh, it's a great place. There's there's some after parties that'll knock your socks off. Oh my God. I mean, Kodak and Panavision and... And um, the lens company, what are they? Uh, uh, Hawk. Hawk lenses. Yeah, they had, they're they had the there. best. They had one of the best parties I've ever been to at, at the hotel, and it was right in the hotel we were staying at. It was pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and that was the last night, so it was like yeah. drink and then yeah. <laughs> go right no, up. We, we went was, to parties with with Haskell. It was great. We oh, Haskell yeah, was Hask- still alive then, and we went to party. We sat with him at the Kodak party. All, all these great DPs and the yeah. But then the the beauty of that. Incident was we went to Budapest from there, Linda and I, and um, ran into Vilmos again in yeah. in, uh, in Budapest. And if you don't know him, look it up because he's done some amazing films. One of my favorite films is um, is the Vietnam film. Um, oh, I'm gonna go blank. Um, I know. I'll go <laughs> blank with you. How's that? Um, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter. God. Yeah. Almighty. I mean, people don't think of it as a Vietnam film, because, but I told Vilmos I thought it was the best being a Vietnam veteran because it's a film that deals with the families, like, you know, what's happening at home. There was very little shot on Vietnam, but it's about the 
uh, the after effects of of soldiers that have been there and come home with the, with the trauma and uh, but it was a beautiful film and he's Vilmos has done some great things. Yes. I could go on and on. Didn't didn't he do a Close Encounters of a Third Kind? He yes. did. I think he yes. was a second or One, third director of yeah. photography, and yeah. and he said, "Well, I thought I was going to get fired every day, and then I won the Academy." And you know, my, and I remember. Yeah, yeah, I remember because I loved movies. I always watched the Academy Awards since I was a little girl, and I remember them calling his name out and then watching him run up the stairs. He ran. And he ran down he the ran. whole aisle, but but he, he had told people we we had inter, we had interviewed his camera operator and and he had told his camera operator that that he was he didn't even was he wasn't interested in that stuff and he probably wouldn't even go. So yeah. when he when he won, he ran he ran the full length of the thing and ran up on the stage. It was hysterical, but yeah, it was. He he was a him and Lazo were. I mean, if if you if you want to know about them, I know we're talking about directors, but as DPs, there's a there's a great documentary um, about no them, subtitles, uh, no called no subtitles yeah. about their story, and it's just just watch it. It's fun if you like documentaries and you like movie history. Watch it. It's a great story. Yes. In them. and for and the that, film buffs out there, Laszlo yeah. Kovacs and yeah. uh, uh, Vilmos Zygmunt, um yeah, they were the best. It, yeah, I mean, look them up and start watching their films because yeah. they they were part of that change in cinema. Yeah. Um, and we were, and Linda and I were lucky that we got to work with them both. And, uh, yes, I I feel very fortunate that now again I'm getting off the director. Okay, so let's point. go back but, to Cost. But this is Costa Gavras, but. Um, but uh, yeah, but he's part of that old school. Yeah, you know, definitely that is, traditional yeah. uh, filmmaking of. You know, tell a great story. Yeah, he and 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 he and he did, and uh, and his intensity. I mean, he was a kind man, and uh, and to everybody, and and his intensity sitting next to the camera, like he he really wanted to see faces and and body language, and he wanted to see all that stuff, and 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 some of that has to do with even what your next cut is going to be, like if, right, under you know, like. Body language can can determine like what you know, like what's going to happen next. So like, and it's not always just about you know like a, a, a talking head. But well, yeah, can, exactly. I mean, yeah. you're going to get emotion here, but the way you sit and you shrug yeah. and your movement, yeah. you know, that tells a lot. Our, and our, an actor way, needs yeah. to know how big that frame is so that they can play that as well. And that's where a good great director comes in. Well, and you know, even how you're going to exit a scene, and he, you know, like the plan of, 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 of Jessica Lang in this apartment in Hungary, you know, and her, her seeing this photograph that, that rings a really bad bell in her yeah. brain, and the next cut, it's like, you know, what, you know, how am I going to, how am I going to show as a director, where this is taking her, and that stairway. Like Linda said, down, down, down. You're really. spiraling down. You know, as a director, it was the most most creative cut and scene that I'd probably ever seen. Where, boy, it's we're going down with her, and all of a sudden her her world has changed and it's going down. And the, right, because like from that yeah. point on, that yeah. whole film changes. Yeah, the whole changed, yeah. everything everything happens. Changed, yeah. And how brilliant of him to go. How could I possibly show this? Yeah, 
You know, and I mean, that's a great yeah. director. And it's and it's more than just a, a a sorrow look on her face. You know, like he did it. He did it visually, and and let her as an actress. Not only did the shot take us down, but he let her take us down. Like you could see her, her attitude and her, her process change as she went. Again, it's, it's music. It's called Music Box, and it's if if you don't see it for any other reason, that's that's shot. If you're in the camera, is worth seeing. Custard, um, he put that shot together as well as many others, and it's a great place. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's a good film. It really is because it's. Man, does it tug at your heart and make you think, do I really know that person? Yeah, and it's timely, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a timely film. And like, like the, um, I mean, I, I live in a community here that's mostly Jewish, and, uh, and the, the theater here in town, uh, they wanted to start showing more films that are more community-orientated, either directors come from here or things. And I mentioned that to him, to the to them that music box is certainly a a film that would touch bases here in fact we did some of it here we filmed some of it here in the beginning before we went to hungary but but i don't know if he if he knew the film but i mentioned that i said it's a film that would really hit home with a lot of people that live here so yeah it's just a good movie yeah it is it's just a really good movie and um yeah you got to work with some really amazing people yes i did and it was all downhill from then. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> it's all been was, crap. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, I was. I mean, this is the first ten years of my film career, and I, I, I got pretty lucky. I got pretty lucky. And then I met Linda, and she started working with me, and and the next twenty years were even better. So. Oh, yay! What a way <laughs> to go out, Steve. <laughs> there you go. Well, it certainly changed my life, but um, that almost does it for this episode, but we still have a couple more films to talk to Steve about. So this is going to go on to another episode that'll be three, okay? So there's going to be three total in um, this segment, so that will be the next one that you'll hear. Steve, man, I mean, I've heard some of these stories, uh, but there are so many more that you brought out that are just amazing. I mean, well, there's probably there's probably a lot more that I just can't remember. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but uh, you know, but that's yeah. that's our life on set, and and for anyone who's been on set as long as we have and done these types of movies. You know, uh, you forget things, and then you'll talk to somebody else that you worked with on that movie, and they'll bring something up, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I totally forgot about that. So everybody remembers something, you know, uh, maybe something different that yeah. you didn't. And, and and it's wonderful to talk about that because one of the things I always tell people is, like, we have the best stories in this business. I mean. Well, I'm sure that everybody in the business has Great stories, but I mean, we have some good stories. But I, yeah. I'm sure you could talk to another AC or operator that would have some better or equal stories than we do. So yes, but or better, but uh, yeah, but I'm, everyone's got stories in this business. But I mean, I meant to, I meant to also say that when we were at Kamarmaj, we also visited visited with Andrzej Bartkowiak, yes, who was the DP that I worked with on Terms of Endearment. He is Polish. And it was like seeing an old friend, and, and, and that's part of what Cameron Maj is about. 
And the other thing I wanted to say, when I was asked to go to Hungary because I knew Panavision, there's a little story. When we got off the plane in Budapest, they wanted to do some shooting at the airport. I didn't know this was happening, but... Um, Surprise! I, I, I did So we had to unpack our stuff at on the tarmac and pull a camera out and... Um, and a girl came up to me and introduced herself to me as my assistant, no, my my translator. So, um, and I said, "Do I need one?" She goes, "Yeah, your assistant doesn't speak English." So, uh, so Ildiko was her name, and she became she really kind of became my assistant. But, but on the first setup, I pulled the camera out, and um, the long eyepiece was on it. I pushed it against my body, and it snapped off. Oh. I mean, it has breakaway screws on it, but it broke off, and we're getting ready. It's the first day, and uh, she, she, I remember she just kneeled down to me, and she said, is that bad? <laughs> I go, yeah, that's bad. But fortunately, I had I had a repair kit, but I also had another camera body, so mm. I, went and got, I went and got it off the other body. But, but I'm thinking, here we are with Panavision. The reason I'm there is because yes. of Panavision, and I got my first test the minute I walked off the plane, so it was pretty funny, so... Yes. But well, yes, that's and worst, and that is stories. a reason to use Panavision. I mean, I'm well. I'm sure we'll go into well, that. One. Well, yes, uh, we'll go into it another time. But uh, I had an incident where I was not using Panavision in another country, and I wished I had because I could have uh, um, made the camp. I could have say, yeah, save I could have saved the day, and we could have been, you know. It, it, there were just a lot of things that went on. Had I had Panavision, because I knew how to fix it and because it was easy to fix, and, and they always send you out with everything you need, uh, it would have been um, so much easier. But, um, yeah. There's our, there's our Panavision. There's our Panavision. Well, <laughs> I think that, I think we only did, when I was working with you, I don't think we only did two movies that was not Panaflex. Roger Deakins, Courage you can, <laughs> you can yeah, bet Deakins. on that. Courage Under yep. Fire. He, he's an he's airy an guy. Airy. There's nothing wrong no, with the No, there isn't. It's, it's just that we, we, were, we were used to Panavision, so we were comfortable with it. But Roger Deakins is very much an airy yeah. guy. Uh, I did Rumblefish with airy. Uh, but, but you and we I, did, I don't uh, The only other else. thing we did was we, d we started out, we did a pilot with a movie cam. Oh, okay. I know, and Fuji Film oh, at the same time. Oh, 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 okay. Yes, I yeah. remember that too. Yes. And okay. that's Much, that went away very quick. Line. Another, another story. That's another story. So you guys have to uh, listen again because we've got a million of them. Yeah, we do. Well, a couple thousand. Well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, it would be a great book, um, but it's not. It's a podcast. So, hey, uh, if you want to. Uh, Find us on social media where you can like, follow, and share us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at thefilm50. Uh, our webpage is thefilm50.com, and that will have everything that you ever want to know about us and links and all that stuff. We're on Facebook at thefilm5.0, and uh, our podcast, you can get us on Apple Podcast. You can get us anywhere you get your podcast. So if you like this, please follow us and share it. And um, we have um, the third part of this series, uh, talking with Steve about directors, coming up. So 
Um, we didn't do I didn't do it on the last one, but hey, Steve, I think uh, we can say we've checked the gate and the gate is good. That's something we did every day, multiple times a day on set. So the gate is good. Hey, thanks for listening to this film 5.0 podcast, and we'll see you on the next one. Yeah.